Well, again, good morning. Uh, that's probably the catchiest song we've had in any of our uh, intro to uh, our sermons. So uh, we're glad that you're here with us. If you're a first-time guest, again, we're ending our uh, message series called Media and My Family. In the first week, we saw uh, what media does and that it can disconnect us from the most important things in our world, and that's our connection with God and our connection with others. And so we challenged you to disconnect so you can connect. Uh, that was the kind of the takeaway for week one. In week two, we talked about me and we saw how uh, Nimrod, right? Don't be a Nimrod. Um, he took the technology of the day, which were the bricks, and he built a tower to make a name of himself uh, and other than God. And so week two was, hey, let's make a name for uh, God and let's not be a Nimrod. So how are we going to use technology? We're going to now look at the family. So we had media, me, and my family. And so today we're going to take a look at that because the number one thing Satan wants to destroy is the family unit. And so what we're going to look at, we're going to see that... Uh, from the very beginning of time, God instituted the idea of marriage and family and that the number one thing Satan wants to do is to destroy that because it's a direct representation between Christ and the church. And so we're going to take a look at that and Satan will use anything. And we'll see that today, uh, What just kind of going through scripture in Genesis. Now Brandon, he did want to be here and just end this with the bang, but... Um, he kind of talked to me a little bit after man camp last night, and he said his chest hurt when he woke up in the morning, and, and he found out he has Castleman disease. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard about that. It's an actual disease, and so we're kind of talking about it, and so I'm speaking here, and Cody's speaking in Edgewood, and so like the thing is, is like I have no idea, so I just kind of wrote down some symptoms he was having, and he said that his immune system got weak just from uh, the camp, man camp going on and all the allergies going on. And it's not a, it's not a disease that's like, um, lost the word, not, <laughs> definitely not fatal, but <laughs> you can't catch it. <laughs> what? There we go. So it's contagious. There we go. But he, he realized that something was going wrong. And so he got this and so he had some trouble breathing. He, he had coughing and chest pain. His appetite was a little low, and then he was just just tired. So th this is just kind of unbelievable. He actually went to WebMD and found out that he was diagnosed with this, okay? <laughs> so for those that are already on social media saying, pray for our pastor, I want you to disconnect because it's not true, right? And so we thought it'd be hilarious to go to WebMD and look and see what pops up because isn't that what happens? Like internet, we, we have something wrong with us and we go, what's wrong with this? We search the internet instead of searching intellect, like people that know what's wrong with us. We don't want to have to go talk to people about it. So we'll do everything we can not to go to the doctor. So here's some searches that we typed in. The top of my hand itches and it had how I manage my type 2 diabetes. That was the number one thing that came back. And so if you have a mosquito bite on your hand, you may need to go to the doctor after the service today, right? And so um, number two, my teenager has red bumps on their face, which we all know is acne. The only, the only article that came up, I had the cancer no one talks about. 
Now, isn't that true? Like we go and I have a stomach ache. I have, I have something wrong with me. And then all of a sudden we're on our deathbed based off of what the internet said. Like it's crazy. So the next one was, I have a sour stomach and I had to ask Cody what that meant. He looked that up. Basically it's, you know, I have a stomach ache and it came up with hemorrhoids. And yes, it was the number two, pun intended, article on the internet there. So WebMD will cure all your things and it will tell you exactly the worst case scenario that you can get. But if we're not careful, media will distort us. Like we'll allow it to do horrible things in our mind. Like what are some questions you don't want your teenager asking them the internet, but you'd rather them come to you? Like what do I do on my first date? Horrible question to ask the internet, right? What do I do? How do I kiss a girl? Horrible thing, right? There's some searches that, I mean, kids can make the most innocent searches on YouTube and come up with some things they don't need to see, right? It does it with scripture. You don't understand scripture. You go to the internet, you type in, hey, can you explain this? And all of a sudden you have 10 million different views on one word in that verse, right? And so what do we do? How do we use media to not just distort us, because that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to put a device in every single person in your family's hand and separate you. And so how do we do that? What do we do? How do we manage that? Because we saw in week one that no one has a plan for this. Like this isn't something that we just laid out that our culture says, okay, media is good, but here we need to lay out a plan. And so we want to give you some personal application for this. So I'm going to pray and then we'll get started uh, just with in Genesis and some facts real quick. Father, I do thank you for today. I thank you for your word and how it can guide us that you created us, had us in mind from the very beginning of time, God that you've laid out humanity in your word from beginning to end. And if we would just simply trust you and move forward in your desire for our life, we could be successful in life. Not, not, in, not the way that we think of success, but we can follow you wholeheartedly and come before you one day and say, and we'll hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. God, I ask that you teach us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So there are some things that uh, we just kind of wanted you to know. So did you know that the American Academy of Pediatrics, or AAP, I like to call it, right, um, recommends no screens, that's none, absolutely none, in kids' rooms, including televisions, video games, and mobile devices. Now, I grew up with a TV and video game in my room, so it's kind of hard for me to, to agree with that because it's something that I enjoyed growing up. But they say no screens, absolutely none in, in kids' rooms. And here's why. Because they also recommend less than two hours a day of screen time for children over the age of two and no screen time for those under two. So two hours can go by pretty quick if they have a phone, TV, mobile device in their room, okay? And so two hours doesn't sound crazy, but when you think of our, our technological world now, two hours gets... Pretty, adds up pretty quickly. Because according to the Parenting of Age of Digital Technology report, 84% of children already have 2.5 hours of screen time per day. So we're already missing the mark. Like we're already going over the maximum that they say for our kids to have. 84% is already missing the mark. 
And also, a study by the AAP showed that the average 8 to 10 year old spends nearly 8 hours per day on media, and teens spend more than 11 hours per day on media. Now, you're like, how can that be possible? They don't have that much time in the day. But if you think about our world now, we use techno- technology for everything, right? They have classroom set of iPads, they do research on computers. We do screen time all the time. And it even has been incorporated not only to work, but school. And you even got screens in your cars now, right? That you can like listen to whatever, see whatever. You can, they can watch a movie because no one wants to ride 30 minutes, right? With screaming kids in the back, let's put on a movie and be done with it, right? And so it easily adds up to this amount of hours. So as of March 2013, over 78% of teens have a device and over 97% of children Uh, and teens have access and use the internet according to the Pew Research Internet Reports. So 97% of children and teens already have access to the internet and know how to use it. Focus on the Family reports that an average age of a child is introduced to pornography uh, has dropped to age 8 years old. This is a sad thing. This is a sad thing. According to the NPD Global Research Group, the average household has five to six internet-connected devices. So if you're an average household of four, husband, wife, two kids, you, every person, can be connected to the internet in a separate room and be disconnected from each other, and you have no clue what's going on on that device. So as a parent, as a child, how do we effectively monitor this and, and use technology, because it's not going away, How can we use technology to glorify God? And so we're going to take a look and see what God has set up from the beginning of time here in Genesis, and we're going to see how Satan uses anything created to distort our relationship with him and each other. So right at the beginning, God made Adam, right? He, He created everything in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. He created man. He looks down and he says, hey, man, it's not good for man to be alone. So I'm going to create a helpmate. So right first and foremost, I want you to not check out. If you're single today, if you're single in here, you're like, I don't have a family, right? Or if you're widowed, I don't want you to think you don't have a family because right before any family was instituted, there was a relationship between God. It was God and Adam. And so that is our family. Not only that, but your family is here. And so stay with me through this because media affects our relationships with any type of family, including God, our Heavenly Father. And so he looks down and connects and says, okay, um, it's not good for man to be alone. So he creates woman. And he says to them in Genesis 2.24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now I want you to get this. He, inst- he said this is what is going to be done before there was a father and mother to leave. You get that? Like there wasn't a father and mother for Adam and Eve to leave. So before a parent was even there, God had set up this idea of marriage that a, husband, that a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, hold fast, okay? Because later on in, in one of the letters to the churches, Paul says this is a direct reflection. Marriage is a direct reflection between Jesus and the church. So from the get-go of time, God knew that we would fail him. And that he would have to come and live on this earth for 33 years to bridge that gap that we cannot bridge. And he knew that his, uh, his 
relationship between him and the church was going to be mirrored through marriage. The man and wife were not, uh, they were both naked and were not ashamed. They had the perfect marriage, right? They were vulnerable. They were open. Uh, Yeah. They were open to each other. There was nothing that they were ashamed of. They related to each other. They didn't hide anything. They weren't, uh, they just weren't ashamed of anything. They had the perfect marriage. They had the perfect relationship with God and they had the perfect marriage. And then he also says, and God blessed them and God said to him, be fruitful and multiply before any other law, right? We were told to have sex and have kids. Praise God, right? You're like, oh my gosh, he just said sex up there. Sorry. So be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish and the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves. Before anything, God said, I want you to come together, have kids. This idea of family was from the very beginning of time. So if it's from the very beginning of time that this is instituted by God, what does Satan do? He attacks the very thing that God made. And he distorts it. And you see this in in chapter 3. Now, Brandon talked about this a little bit last week, but here he comes. So now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast in the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? So he's starting to question God's word, right? He's starting to question what God had said. And so don't we do that? As humans, we read his word and he goes, did God really mean that? Like, I mean, if I did just say a white lie to help somebody out to feel good about themselves, am I really making a mistake? Yes, God said, don't lie. And so we start questioning God's word, and that's what Satan does from the very beginning. He says, did God really say? And so the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, what we see here is God didn't actually say, right, don't touch it. But they had an internal value, right? They believed, they saw God say, don't eat of this tree. So they held fast to that and they set up an external value. Like we do that with our kids. We say, okay, you can have cookies as dessert after meal, but you have to eat your dinner first. So what do we do? We put the cookies up out of the way so they can't get to them, right? Because other than that, my kids will like tear up some cookies before they eat dinner, right? So I have to put them out of the way so that they're not tempted to get it before dinner. And that's what the, I, I believe this is what this is saying is that God said, don't touch it. Let's put up an external boundary. Or God said, don't eat it. Let's put up an external boundary. Uh, let's just not touch it. And so you see this value that's inside them in, internally, and then they put up this external boundary. But the servant said to the woman, you shall not surely die. The other thing that Satan does is he gives half-truths. Right? So the, she will die. Eventually, death enters into uh, life at this point. The curse brings death. Now, she doesn't die for years, but and the idea that they had was, I'm going to eat, I'm going to die. And Satan goes, oh, no, you won't die. And he's telling the truth, but not the whole truth. And so uh, he's good at just manipulating it. For God knows that when you eat of the... Uh, if you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And that's all of humanity. We want to be our own God. We want to be in control of our lives. We want to know, is that really good? How far can I go here? What can I do on this business uh, transaction that's still within God's boundaries, but you know, it will help me out. So, I mean, there's so many things that we want to know. We We want to be our own God. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she she took it 
Um, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. So there's three things that Satan allows her to see. One, that the tree was good for food. So anything that is created by God or given to us intellectually to create is good, right? This is good. This is a good thing. It can be used for good. It can be used to glorify God. It can be used to connect with family that you don't connect with ever. It can be used to connect with old friends that, you don't, uh, that you've not connected with in a very long time. It can help us study. Actually, you know, even though WebMD doesn't get it all right, it could help us know some things, right? It is a good thing, and it's not going away. But Satan will use it to distort and destroy the family unit. It was a delight to the eyes. And if you know anything about social media, any type of media, whether it's TV, computer, uh, tablet, phone, where do we, what do we do? It's a direct thing to the eyes. Like, I don't find it ironic that all media is, we look at it. We watch movies. We search stuff on the internet. We look at the computers. We study. It is a delight to the eyes. And the tree is to be desired to make one wise. Where do we go? When we don't know something, social media, or maybe not social media, but the internet, right? And so if you turn over some, probably more than 50% of your phones in here, what does it have on there? A little apple with the bot out of it, right? So go sell this and get a Samsung, right? So three things that technology will do if we're not careful. It will distort us because we put, we worship it more than God. And that's what Adam and Eve were doing. They saw it, they worshiped themselves, they worshiped the tree more than God. And then if we're not careful, husbands, we're going to allow Satan to come in when we're just laying back doing nothing. Because Adam was there. Adam saw all this happen, and he did nothing. He didn't say, stand up and go, hey, God told us not to do this. Hey, I disapprove of this. His not talking or not mentioning any of this was approval to her, saying this is okay, because he didn't mention anything. And so, guys, this is your charge. Husbands, this is your charge. You are the one to protect your family. What are you doing with it? Because if not, Satan will come in here and destroy it. Then, the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And I want you to see their sin not only destroyed this relationship, it destroyed their relationship. Because now they were ashamed, not only of themselves, but each other. They covered up. Their relationship wasn't pure anymore. So Satan will take anything created, whether technology, an apple, or fruit, we don't know what type of fruit it was. He'll take anything throughout human history and distort it and ruin the family unit. You say, well, Brian, I got that. So the family instituted, Satan will destroy it. But man, we live in a culture that's horrible. Like, like it wasn't this bad 10 years ago. It wasn't this bad 20 years ago. It wasn't this bad 30 years ago. With all this violence and just all this craziness going on, with all the riots, with all the sexual impurity going on, it's just, it's a horrible thing. Like, we, like what can I do to protect it? And I want you to see that humanity does nothing new under the sun. Like, this is not a new thing. Our culture is not a new thing to God. It's not a new thing to humanity. In fact, we just do a complete circle all the time. 
And I want you to see this because Paul wrote in Romans to, to, a, to, the, to the people in Rome, the church in Rome, and he was writing from Corinth. And Corinth was a very horrible city in this time where Nero ruled. I mean, there was, I was doing some study on it during this time, and I was going to just say, here it is, here's the society that Paul was in. But it is, like, sadly, we're not there yet. <laughs> And it's crazy to think that it was horrible, a very horrible situation that Paul was in when he was writing this. But he writes to Rome and says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Ungodliness is the sin against God, right? The relationship there. And unrighteousness of men is the sin against each other. Who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Now, Today, we have been revealed everything. We have God's word. We have from beginning to end. We know that God created, and we know that in the end, God wins. And we are somewhere in between that beginning and end. We have been revealed everything, his plan, through scripture. So today, we have that possibility. Back then, the only scripture that was around was the Old Testament, and it was in the scribes and the Pharisees' time, and the common man did not have anything. Like, they had to memorize it or hold fast to whatever the scribes and Pharisees said. And so God revealed himself in a different way then, but he also reveals himself the same way now also. So he reveals himself the same way, including, sorry, man, I totally got confused there. So there's two ways God reveals himself. One, through his scripture, but then also here for his in, invisible attributes, namely his internal uh, eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. God reveals himself through creation. If we truly believe that this, uh, this scripture is real and true, then God created everything and his glory and his, and his power is revealed through creation. And so that's what he's saying here, that creation is, re- that, that God's uh, p- God reveals himself through two ways, creation and and then for us, scripture. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. Sounds a lot like today. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So when they started thinking they know God, and guess what? You have no excuse now. If you're in this room, you know of God because you just heard me say it. So, sorry. (laughs) You have no excuse. But... How many times do we not honor God and not give him thanks for things he's done? And so with that, our hearts are dark. And we, we go towards what we want to do versus what God wants to do. And so claiming to be wise, they become fools. You know someone like that? And exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And this is where we come to our society and we're like, wow, so God created things. No, there's a big bang. What? That takes more faith than me, right? That the universe came out of nothing. That it, all of a sudden it was a big bang and then this whole thing came together. Or how about this, that we were made in the image of a monkey. I personally would want, rather be in the image of God than a monkey, right? A monkey, what, scratches his rear and then like that? I mean, who wants to do that, right? I mean, we change, we, we exchange the glory of God for mortal things. Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts to impurity. What did he say? He said, okay, if you do not choose me, because I've revealed myself to you through creation, through scripture, if you, if you decide 
Because it's our choice, right? To follow him or not. If you decide not to follow me, I'm going to give you up to your hearts. And that's where sin starts. Sin starts inside us. It's not our actions that we do. It's our thoughts. It's our, our heart that we desire to do something. And so our, our actions follow through with it. And so they give themselves, uh, God gave them to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is all blessed forever. Amen. And if we're not careful, we'll do the same thing. If we're not careful, we'll worship the created things instead of the creator. We'll worship ourselves through social media. We'll make a name for ourselves. We'll take all the pictures of ourselves and put it up and say, look at me and see what I've done versus worshiping the creator. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. The men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty to their error. What I want to say about this, that anything outside of marriage, husband, and one wife is a complete dishonor to God. Complete dishonor to God because God started from the very beginning. Here it is, whether it is I'm leaving you for another woman, I'm, I'm looking at pornography, homosexuality, anything outside one man and one woman is a dishonor to God. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to their debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, covetousness malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, They are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Welcome to the United States of America. Nothing new under the sun. We have not changed. We are still the same selfish beings bent towards pleasing ourselves and not God. Though they know God's righteous decree, though they know it, that those who practice such things deserve to die, for the wage of sin is death. When we practice sin, our wage, what we deserve, our payment for that is death. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And this is where I'm going to come back to husbands, fathers. What are you approving by simply not saying or disapproving of? When your kids come home from school, they go straight to their room and they connect through media and don't connect with their mom. And you don't say anything. What are you approving of without simply saying, hey, don't do that? What are they looking at on their, on their phones? What movies are they watching? What TV shows are they watching? What songs are they listening to that you are simply approving of because you're not saying anything? We're going to fall back to the same thing that happened with Adam. We'll become lazy, and we won't speak up. So men, we are called to be the protectors of our home. And what are you doing with that? Like, do you have a plan for media? (laughs) Because my kid, even though I think he's a great kid, he'll do things that I don't approve of. And if I don't tell him that, then it's as if I'm saying, yes, it's okay. So with that, 
with the fact that we live in a culture that screams, hey, media, 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 and it's not going away. Media is not going away. And I don't think the right thing is to just disconnect from everything, which is let's throw the TV out, the computer out, the phones out, and all that. I don't think that's correct. I also don't think that we just have free reign when it comes to media because then Satan will just bring in things that are ungodly into our home. What do we do? We want to give you some, some things because we got to go back to cre- the very beginning. We have to deepen our internal values. They had that one internal value that God set it, and we need to set up some external boundaries. And so deepen internal values means guard your mind. Philippians 4, 8 through 9 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. We have to guard our mind because that's where sin starts. And if we don't take every thought into captivity, we will go down a path that God does not intend for us. Set boundaries. Proverbs 19.20 says, Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Colossians 3.20, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. God sets boundaries for us. What do you think the Ten Commandments are? He lays out what sin is. If we step over that boundary, we sin. He sets boundaries for us. It is not... It's foolish of us not to set boundaries for our children, for us, period. Protect against inappropriate conduct. Luke 11, I love this verse. It says, your eye, again, it's pleasing to the eye. Think about this. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. I. Where does media go to? Directly to the eye. How are we protecting against inappropriate conduct in our home? And guard against gossip. Let no, Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Social media is all about gossip. And if we're not careful, we as Christians will mask the very thing of prayer with that. Be careful when you say, hey, I want to pray for you, when all you want to do is know what's going on. That is not a, pr- a worthy prayer. Because what we're doing is we're saying, we're, we're taking our direct communication with God and saying that gossip's okay. It's a fine line to walk. Be very cautious inside when you're asking someone for prayer. So with that deep and external values, we have to hold fast to those. How do we set up external boundaries? So we want to give you some things for external boundaries. One, covenant eyes. Like there's a program called Covenant Eyes. There's multiple ones out there. I have it on my phones, my iPads, and my computer here at work and at home. What this does is it sets up an accountability report. Men, put your wives. God instituted that person to hold you accountable. Wives, put your husband as your accountability partner. It sends an email every other week. says, hey, here's the sites that we've been looking at. I would ask them questions about these. It guards our children for when they look up things that aren't appropriate. It's a filtering system to where it pops up and says, hey, you can't see this page. 
It's cost $14.99 a month for a family on all devices. Yet I find it ironic we'll pay $7.99 for Netflix and allow all this mess into our house. But we won't pay $14.99 to guard against it. Put a charging station in a neutral room or parents' room. This might cause a little heartache, right? When there's not been these external boundaries. But your kids don't need your, their phones. Your students don't need their phones at 1 o'clock in the morning. They don't need it. So set up a charging system to where, hey, at this time, we're going to put all our devices here, click in, and, and you know where it is. Family contract. We actually have a family contract out by the resource center, and there will be people that have it uh, at the doors as you're exiting. And this is just talking points between you and your kids, between you and your spouse, and say, hey, we're going to hold true to these boundaries. And it's a family contract just to walk through, look at it, sign, and, and post it somewhere in your home so it's always visible. Time limits. Set time limits. If it's not good to have over two hours of screen time, they need time limits. Men, women, you need time limits. Don't just set it up for your kids. Set it up for yourself. Here's something that we do at our house. From the get-go, when my kids learned how to play video games, uh, because of me, right? My wife didn't want any of them. I, I said, no, let's, let's bring them in, right? And so my wife set up time limits. They said, okay, you can have a free 30 minutes every day. Free 30 minutes every day, whether that's watching TV, uh, playing on the computer, uh, researching the computer, watching videos on the computer, or playing on the phone or iPad, right? Now, they don't have phones, but they use ours. Free 30 minutes. Now, if you want an extra 30 minutes, you have to read a book for 30 minutes. You have to go play outside for 30 minutes. You have to do something other than playing on a device or looking at the computer or watching TV. And, that's, and, and all they get is an hour. They don't, we don't go more. You got a free 30 minutes, and then you get to do something else for 30 minutes in order to get another 30 minutes. So that's just an example of what we do at our house. So here's some suggested uses for media, though. We don't want to say, okay, again, here's the problem. We need to deepen internal values. Media is all bad, so let's get rid of it, right? We want to give you some suggested uses because we want to let it glorify God and, and, and strengthen our family. So download board games. Like, I don't know about you, but my family loves board games. We have a whole closet full of board games. I mean, we, we changed a uh, coat closet into a game closet, okay? So we love to play board games, but I hate, I absolutely hate to set up and tear down. And it takes 30 minutes to set up Monopoly, right? And so I hate to do that. So download board games on the iPad. Monopoly's on the iPad. Pa sit around the table, pass it around, and play as a family. Then you, you don't have to worry about tearing down or setting up, right? It's all clean. Everything's good with my wife. It's not messy, right? So download board games. Play multiplayer games with children. My kids love to play Minecraft. And so I play Minecraft. I enjoy it too. My wife played for the first time last month, and she, about five minutes in, she's like, can we... Yeah, can we finish this already? Like, I think she was falling asleep while she was playing. But play multi-games with your kids. Like, find out what they're doing. Don't just send them off to their room and say, hey, you can play. Play with them. There's things called Heads Up, right? That, that game that you put on your head from your phone. Try to guess, the, guess what they're trying to say there. There's Psych. There's all of these games that you can play with your kids. Download sermons and podcasts. If you don't have a Bible... <laughs> On your device, download a Bible. Put scripture as your wallpaper so when it comes up, you've got scripture 
in your face, right? Download Sermons Podcast. We have a podcast for, for Stone Point, so if you miss one, you can download it and listen to it on your way to work. Use media to glorify God. And then right now, media. As a church, we've decided to pay for Right Now Media. It's a Netflix of Bible studies, okay? It's a streaming thing that, um, that allows you to look through all of these topics, marriage, parenting, uh, study, all of these things. It's got kids' cartoons on there, VeggieTales, all of these wholesome cartoons that you can simply stream. Now, we are paying for that as a church, and we're allowing you to have access for free. Now, we've already given it to the uh, leaders, our journey group leaders, to use for their studies there. But we want you to have this because if media is not going away, then we want to provide you a resource and tools that you can use it for God's glory. So be expecting an email in about two weeks, two to three weeks, just to say, hey, go sign up, check it out. If we don't have your current email, make sure you fill out a communication card, drop it in the box so that we can get all the updated information. So what's the takeaway? Because this is the end of the series, stuff that we want you to walk away. I know I've given you a lot of information. Media is not going away. So through this series, we want to just simply say, use it to make a name for God and to strengthen your family. Don't allow it to distort the family. Don't allow it to destroy the family. Don't allow it to destroy your relationship with God. Turn it around. Use it for what God intended. For God's purpose. Everything is to glorify God, including media. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the gift of media. I thank you for technology. I thank you for things that we would not get to do 10, 15 years ago because of our uh, lack of technology. God, I ask that you let us to, just let it to allow us to, to use it for your glory. God, you do everything with a purpose. You've given us intellect. You've given us technology. God, there is a reason behind it all. And God, I ask that you help us to hold true to the fact that you created it and you want it to use for your glory. God, allow us to see it differently. Allow us to not make a name of ourselves. Help us to put away that selfish desire of lifting up us up higher than you, God. Just allow us to decrease so that you can increase. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.